ball bash, ring for old Paul. Ring the bell for victory in the last game of the fall. Ring the bell for ball bash, ring for old Paul. Ring the bell for victory in the last game of the fall. All right, welcome to a special edition of the Indiana Legends podcast. I am super excited for this episode. With me, uh, Kevin is taking a break, but with me is uh, is Tyler James. How's it going, Tyler? How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for calling me an Indiana legend. I, I didn't know I'd reached that status yes, yet. Yes, always. These guys are Indiana legends. If you come on the podcast, you have to be. Um, the reason we brought Tyler James on to this episode, we are going to look at the Monon Bell game. If you couldn't tell by the intro music, one of the classic songs, the Monon Bell. Um, and we're going to take a look at this rivalry. I think it's it's one of the underrated sporting events in Indiana. Um, I know a lot of people know about it, but I think statewide it's something, if anybody has a chance to go see this game, it's a classic game. Um, and again, Tyler's joining me because I think he's kind of the he's kind of the expert on the topic. He has written an entire book on the subject of the Monon Bell rivalry. Uh, you can pick up his book on Amazon. It is called The Monon Bell Rivalry: Classic Clashes of DePaul versus Wabash. Um, so let's get into it. Um, you know, I, I think what's crazy about this year is they are not playing the Monon Bell game because of all the COVID, uh, you know, postponement and those things. I know a lot of football seasons were put on hold. And this is the first time that the Monon Bell game will not be played since the year 1910. So explain to me what happened in 1910. Yeah, it's uh, incredibly sad that it's not being played this year. Um, the conditions in 1910 were, were even worse, unfortunately. Um, a Wabash player named Ralph Sapp Wilson uh, died of a head, head injury that he had suffered in a game against uh, St. Louis. Um, Wabash was 4-0, and um, I don't think they had allowed a, a, an, opponent, a, a, an opponent to score a point that season. Um, but once uh, uh, Wilson died, they canceled the rest of the season. And legend has it that his last words were, did Wabash win? Oh, wow. And uh, he has... Uh, there's a great his uh, tombstone in Oak Hill Cemetery in Crawfordsville has the thing that did Wabash win on it. So wow. it's kind of a kind of a kind of a pretty <laughs> crazy story that that's the last time that the game hasn't happened and yeah, uh, it took a pandemic like COVID nineteen to uh, wipe out the next time uh, we wouldn't have a, a year without a, a Moran Bell Classic. Yeah, and that story just, I think it speaks to the dedication of the people in this rivalry and these players. Um, so give me a little background. What gave you the idea for writing this book um, and, and kind of how did it come about? Yeah, it, it came pretty much out of nowhere around the start of 2012. I was less than a year out of college and working as a freelance sports writer uh, for the South Bend Tribune and the uh, Associated Press. And uh, I received a message from someone at a publishing company called the History Press, and they were wanted to see if I had any interest in writing a book about the, the Monon Bell rivalry. The, the COO of that company was actually a DePaul grad, and they had been looking for someone to write about the, the topic for a couple of years, and no one was uh, willing to make the time commitment to do so. And one of my um, college professors, Greg Schwiffs, actually gave them my name, and that's 
sort of how it all came nice. about. I, didn't, I uh, <laughs> didn't know what I was really getting into. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't even have a full-time job at the time. So I was like, well, at least I know I have time. And then, of course, a couple months after I signed a contract to write the book, I ended up being hired full-time by the South Bend Tribune. So my life got pretty busy there, but it was something just kind of broke it down. And um, I decided to sort of break it down into different games that I could focus on. I picked eight eight sort of classic games throughout the history of the rivalry. Did a little bit of a uh, an intro of when the Monon Bell was introduced, and then a little bit about some of the Monon Bell heists and hijinks that have come along <laughs> yeah. with it, um, and uh, sort of put it together in a book. And, awesome. uh, it's my my first book and only book, and who knows, it may be my last <laughs> yeah. book. I can say I wrote a book, so that's pretty cool. Absolutely. And again, uh, you sent me a copy. I read it. It's really intriguing. I mean, it just goes through the history of the rivalry, some of the classic games, some of the just interesting stories that you don't really know or, you know, you wouldn't understand about the rivalry, but just make it that much more special. So, you know, in doing your research and, um, you know, for those of you that don't know, Tyler is a DePaul graduate and, you know, did play football there. Um, so you kind of have your foot in both ends of the door. So what to you makes this rivalry special? Yeah, I kind of started with an anecdote. So I, I played football at DePaul. I only played one year. Um, I had knee issues and, and, and gave it up after that, but um, ended up being roommates and making close friends with a lot of the, the guys that stayed on the team. Um, and so I think when I took on this project, obviously I'm reaching out to the, both DePaul and Wabash people, but I didn't want to bring up right away that I, uh, especially the Wabash folks that I was a DePaul graduate. Yeah, you had to stay, uh, stay neutral on that one. Yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't find it too hard to write. I mean, I'm writing about stuff that had happened in the past. It wasn't like I was writing opinions about it. I was just trying to retell the stories of stuff yeah. that had happened. So I didn't find that to be an issue, but I did end up running into an issue when the book was published. The uh, the comp- the bookstore on Wabash's campus refused to put it in the <laughs> bookstore. I, I don't know why. They just never did. I, I didn't really step in. The publishing company said, hey, I, apparently they're not interested in, in selling your book. Wow. And so it's not there. So uh, that was kind of funny. I, I didn't read... I, n- I never did receive any like complaints from any of the Wabash guys I spoke to or anyone that I, that has read the book and said, hey, this is clearly a biased retelling of, of the yeah. stories behind behind the rivalry. But I thought uh, that was that was kind of funny. It just kind of goes to show like how serious the people kind of take. <laughs> they won't even uh, put it in their bookstore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think you do a great job in this book. Like you said, it's not an opinion piece. You're not out here giving your take uh, on the rivalry per se. You're just kind of telling the stories. Uh, you're going through these classic games um, and, and telling these really interesting you know, pieces on, on the players, the coaches. And I think if anybody's interested, not only in the, the Monon Bell game, but just in Indiana sports history and just, you know, really interesting history that goes back a hundred and what, 20 years of a game that's, that's constantly being played every year. Um, it, it's just a great book and some really, really great stories. Um, so, so let's start with it. How did the Monon Bell become this, not, not just the game, but the Monon Bell itself? Did, did it start as a gift? Uh, can you kind of go into detail with this? Yeah, so the Monon Bell has its name from the Monon Railroad, which was a railroad system that connected Chicago, Indianapolis, and Louisville. Um, and uh, was uh, most of its railway was in the state of Indiana. So 
um, back in the 1930s when the, the bell was introduced. Uh, it was a popular sort of transportation method for uh, people that try to get to uh, many of the major schools in the state, like DePaul and Wabash, Purdue, Indiana, and Butler. Um, and so DePaul and Wabash have been playing each other in football since 1890. Um, and then in, in 1932, a DePaul graduate, Orrin Pfeiffer, wrote a letter to the editor of the Indianapolis News suggesting that the rivalry needed some sort of trophy. And then um, the Monon Railroad wanted to be associated with, um, sort of using the opportunity for some free press. Um, for the for its railway system and and gifted a 300 pound 300 pound bell um, from one of its steam engine trains and um, then in 1932 it was introduced as part of the rivalry. Um, just so happened in 1932 when the two teams played, it was a scoreless tie. Um, so no one actually <laughs> no, no one actually won the wow. battle. So no one won the first Modon Bell game where they bring this <laughs> this thing out to the winner. What did they What did they do? Yeah, uh, DePaul ended up holding on to it. DePaul like sort of introduced the the, the trophy into uh, the rivalry, so they kept it. They held on to it for the year until the next year. Then DePaul eventually won the first game in 1933. Wow! Um, so that was the first time that it was rightfully <laughs> won by one of the two teams. That is awesome. It's that's that just kind of shows the rivalry right there. It's hey, when we first introduce the trophy, no one wins. We just we just uh, <laughs> we we have a tie. And um, you know, going back to a point you said earlier, um, you know, you, you said you didn't have trouble, you know, with any of the guys kind of retelling these stories and these things. And the one thing that stood out um, to me about this rivalry because I I know guys on both sides. You know, I didn't go to either school, and and I got friends that went to DePaul. I have friends that went to Wabash and played in this game, and I I think this is a classic rivalry in the sense that both teams, both schools, really respect each other, and they know going into this last game, you you can only expect the best effort, the best game from your opponent. And it's it's not a malicious game. It's never, you know, obviously, you know, tempers flare and, you know, obviously both teams want to win. But I, I don't see that classic, like, hatred where you just, like, really hate the other team. I think there is kind of like a mutual respect. Do you get that sense? Yeah, I think that that's true. And I, I think it starts because a lot of the, the kids that, both schools are recruiting are, are they're, they're recruiting from the same sort of talent pool. They're, yeah. they're recruiting the same kind of kids, the same kind of athletes. The schools are just 28 miles apart um, with Wabash being in Crawfordsville and uh, DePaul being in Greencastle. Um, the schools are pretty similar. They're, they're they have high academic prestige. Um, they're very old schools. Um, and certainly you get plenty of like legacy recruits on both sides of it, of, of kids that maybe grew up knowing about the rivalry and and having sort of allegiance to one side or the other. Um, but then there's plenty of people that sort of come to it brand new, and you, you pretty quickly sort of get a sense of what the rivalry means to both sides and how these sort of lines are drawn between the two schools. There's, it's kind of funny. It's sort of developed into its own sort of stereotypes between the schools, and I think that some of it like, starts with some fact and then sort of gets exaggerated a little bit. Yeah. Um, the, biggest, the biggest distinction between the two is uh, obviously, Wabash, not obviously the people that don't know, but Wabash is an all-male school and, and DePaul is a co-ed school. Um, and that, that was, I was recruited by both schools as a football player out of LaPorte, Indiana. Um, and Wabash was very interesting and, and had strong pitches and the, I liked the coaches, but I just was not very interested and didn't really understand 
the point of going to an all male school or yeah. why that would, that would be better <laughs> for me. And then yeah. so I think just sort of that right there, sort of, sort of draws a line between like, Hey, I, I, I want to go to an all male school. And then some people are like, why would I ever want to do that? And so there's yeah. an obvious, like you choose one side of the story and then kind of go from there. Yeah. And that always, I think, plays a factor. And, and I've heard from the other side, you know, Wabash is this very prestigious academic school. Um, you know, the concentration on academics is is definitely a selling point. And just, you know, the football tradition. I mean, gosh, they've just had a long history of some really talented football teams and players go through there. Um, and it's just a great competition every single year. Um, now, you mentioned that you covered some some kind of classic games, some really big games from the rivalry. Uh, what ones stand out to you in terms of these big kind of all-time legendary Monon Bell games? Yeah, there there's so many different games that you could sort of cover. I, I chose to, like I mentioned, write about eight different games, um, but I've joked that I could probably do a second book with eight different games. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's even been a few great games that have happened since the book published in 2013, that, um, in 2016, uh, DePaul, DePaul broke a seven game losing streak, um, that, which actually started when I was a junior in college. So we were at the start of that <laughs> losing streak, and, but DePaul won with a 13 yard touchdown pass, um, from a pair of brothers, actually the quarterback, wow. Matt Hunt, the wide receiver, Andy Hunt, uh, with 38 seconds left. Um, and so DePaul, uh, Walmart had actually taken the lead with two minutes and six seconds left, and then DePaul drove right down the field um, and scored the game-winning touchdown um, with the connection of the Hunt brothers. And then just the, the year after that, in 2017, Wabash won by one point. Um, Andy Hunt, who had actually scored the, the game-winning touchdown the year before, fumbled a punt, oh my gosh. Um, which, set, which set up Wabash for um, what would have been the game-tying touchdown, but then they decided to go for two. Um, and they got the two-point conversion. It was controversial whether or not to, uh, <laughs> the running back got in Kirby Cox uh, for the two-point conversion, um, but they went in, and DePaul went down the field and tried to, to take the lead back, but um, DePaul actually had a backup quarterback that was in that started the game playing wide receiver, um, and he took the, uh, the, the Tigers all the way down the field and then fumbled on the one-yard line. Oh, so my It would have been the game when he touched out. So I mean – these are games that happened within the last five years. Uh, well, even, how, even last how year, it wasn't last year a kind of a, a classic game as well? The DePaul yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. I think it was with maybe 40 seconds to go, scores the, the go-ahead touchdown. Um, so, again, it, it seems like almost every year, you know, there's been, you know, your, your rare – super big blowouts um, that have happened. But, you know, usually year in, year out, you're going to get a classic game. You're going to get a close, hard-fought game. It's going to go down to the wire. And just like you said, those little mistakes, you know, the fumble on the one-yard line, the, the you know, giving up a touchdown with 40 seconds to go, you know, all those plays, you know, can leave a legacy or you can end up being, you know, the 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 goat of the game. So <laughs> kind of stands out. Um, now, I think the the one that we wanted to look at was uh, the coaches that have coached this game. And as I was reading your book, one thing that kind of stood out to me was there were several coaches that were alums of one school and went and coached at the other school. So even though this is a huge rivalry, you see some of that kind of, uh, you know, that crosstown uh, recruitment when it comes to coaches. So, you know, what who are some of the kind of, great coaches from this game in the two schools. 
Yeah, so I mentioned in 1933 was the first time DePaul won the Monon Bell game, or they won the actual Monon Bell. Um, in that season, um, their head coach was Ray Gommy Neal, who was a 1920 Wabash grad and played football at, for the Little Giants. <laughs> wow. um, and uh, that year, uh, DePaul went undefeated and unscored upon. They scored 136 points, and their opponents uh, scored zero points in their, wow. in their seven games. So he was a very uh, influential person at, at DePaul. Um, the field house at, at, at DePaul is named after him, Neal Fieldhouse. Um, and he was a Wabash grad, so <laughs> there's definitely a lot of close ties there. Um, and there's a lot of ties to sort of bigger college football programs that you wouldn't necessarily associate with with the DePaul or Wabash. Um, even right now, uh, Tom Allen, who's Indiana's head coach, he was an assistant coach for uh, Wabash back in 2007. Really? Wow, um, I did not the, know that. He was the defensive backs coach and the special team coach, and that's kind of funny because 2007 was the, the year that I was a freshman, and we won that game with a, a last-second field goal as time expired um, with a backup kicker that no one knew who he was, but he <laughs> yeah. made a 48-yard field goal um, to, to, to win the game. And so Tom Allen's one experience in the Monon Bell game was losing as a special teams coach for the last-second <laughs> last field goal. But obviously he's gone on to big, bigger and better things since then. Um, another current head football coach in college football is Chris Creighton at Eastern Michigan. He was actually the head coach of that Wabash team in 2007. And he, he had quite the interesting career as the head coach of Wabash because in 2001 was his first year. And that year was the famous uh, play called the catch where, um, Wabash threw a, it was a tie game and Wabash threw a Hail Mary, um, with time expiring. And they had this play set up where, um, one of his re- receivers, um, Ryan Shore was, was designed to kick the ball back behind him like he was essentially like a volleyball setter. Yeah. Um, and he did that, and it went exactly perfectly to wide receiver Kirk Casper on this 52-yard touchdown pass by Jake Knott with no time left. And that so that's how, that's how Chris Creighton started his bone out of career, and then, then he ended it with a, with a loss. So he won his first one with no time remaining. Uh, he lost his last one with no time remaining. So he had quite, he had quite, the, quite the experience as a Wabash head coach. One of the uh, more successful Wabash head coaches that did some big things beyond that was uh, Stan Parrish, who was the head coach from 78 to 82. He became the head coach at Marshall, Kansas State, and Ball State. And he was an assistant coach for Michigan in, in 1997 when they won a national championship. And then he actually won a Super Bowl as an assistant coach with the Tampa Bay wow. Um, so some big time stuff there on the DePaul side of things, they they kind of interestingly enough sort of went in reverse where they got like guys from big time schools. Like back in 1958, Tom Mott was the head coach. Or he, in 58, he re- resigned as the head coach for, at, at Maryland, Maryland University, University of Maryland. Um, then he became the head coach at DePaul for for some time, and then um, probably the most famous coach in DePaul history. Um, that most people would know is Coach Nick Morosis, that most people know him as Coach Nick. He's, he's a legend. He sadly actually uh, passed away earlier this year in yeah. September um, at the age of 83. Um, but he came to DePaul um, after being an assistant at IU and Northwestern, um, and he was at, at DePaul for a long time, from 1981 to 2003, and uh, DePaul's football field in Black Sox Stadium is, is Nick Morosis' field because uh, he's left uh, such a big uh, legacy at DePaul. Wow. Yeah, I mean, gosh, just the names you listed and, and the resumes listed, um, it, and I think that's kind of the the mistake or the underestimation that people make is 
you know, I, I, you know, as a coach, um, you know, in, in having played college sports, I think people look down a little bit on D3 uh, as coaches or players. But in this game, that doesn't hold true. I, I mean, there are some really talented players. And like you said, there's coaches in this that have gone on like Tom Allen's at IU. There's guys that used to coach D1 at high levels in the Big Ten that are coaching in this game. And and I think that says something about this game and the rivalry between the two schools is you're getting talent, whether it's the coaches or the players, you're getting some true talent in this game. And, And it's not your average D3 football game. This is, these are guys that, you know, easily could play at higher levels and coaches that as you've seen, have gone on to higher levels. So again, I think that speaks a lot about this, uh, about this rivalry. Um, Let's get into some of the kind of the numbers, the data. Um, what are some of the longest winning streaks where a team's just held on to that bell for a long time? Yeah, it's funny. I think pretty much any topic you can cover when it comes to uh, the rivalry, there's like some sort of debate of depending on how you want to look at it. So it's funny with winning streaks, the longest actual winning streaks of consecutive games is seven. And Wabash has done that twice. And it is from 1921 to 1927. And then the recent one that I mentioned uh, from 2009 to 2015. Um, and, uh, but on the other hand, DePauze actually actually owns the record for the longest time that they own, had ownership of the bell um, because obviously there used to be uh, ties in college football. Yeah. Um, so the, win- so the, the winning team from the previous year always gets to keep them on on bell. So DePaul actually had the bell for 10 consecutive seasons um, from 1990, 1955 through 1954 because they won eight times and, and tied twice during that span. So they, they've, they've had possession of the Bell for the longest period of time. Um, but Wabash has actually won the game the most times consecutively okay. with seven each. Yeah, that's that's like such a tomatoes, tomatoes argument of, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> of you know, the tie not counting. And, and, and I'm sure Wallbash is like, hey, that doesn't count. You can't add that to your streak. You know, nobody won. And then DePaul obviously wants to hold on to that streak. Hey, we had the bell. Um, let's think, um, you know, you've you've got to see it as a player. You've got to see it as a fan. Um, you know, you've gotten to go back to the game after you've graduated. Uh, so what's it like seeing the rivalry from these different angles and these different spots? Did your perspective change on the game at all when you came back kind of as a, as an alumni to watch it? You know, what's, what's your take on the rivalry? I think, I think you sort of get a greater appreciation for it, um, from being a player and just for the one year, just kind of understanding how much work goes into it from both sides and how much they look forward to it the whole season and are preparing for each other. Even while they're trying to, to work through the rest of their schedule, they're always in the back of the mind of thinking about Wabash is thinking about DePaul and DePaul is thinking about Wabash and, yeah. and preparing for that game. It never really goes away um, until they finally play in November. And then you think about it all over again for the next year, especially if you're just a team that lost, you really want to get oh, back yeah. out there and get a chance to, to win the game. But, I, I, after that, I, I transitioned. I, I actually covered it as a, as a student journalist who covered the game, which certainly I wasn't the most uh, unbiased there. With my team, my roommates were players on the, on the yeah. team, so I certainly wanted to follow win and still want to follow win every time, no matter if I'm at the game or um, in person or doing something related to the book. I still would like to follow win. It's not really going to change my perspective, um, but it, you obviously sort of appreciate um, both sides of it. 
Um, I think it, it, it still, it still captures my attention. Like I cover Notre Dame football uh, for a living. So on Saturdays, I, I rarely have the time to get down for a game unless Notre Dame has a bye week, but I'll have the game streaming out of my laptop from the press box of, of Notre Dame Stadium. I know last year you mentioned how they, they won the game in the final yeah. minute. And I remember like throwing my hands up at the <laughs> And you're not supposed to clap in a press box. It's like a full pie. You no know, clapping in the press box. And I wasn't clapping. <laughs> I was quietly cheering my seat. Not obviously not about the game that was going on in front of me, but the game that was going on in, in Greencastle. They're going to re- revoke your press pass up at Notre Dame <laughs> if you keep cheering I, uh, I got to be careful. Fortunately, there's, there's another uh, DePaul grad that is also a, a Notre Dame beat writer. Um, so we're on the same side there. And But there's always people that have Wabash connections, too. And people certainly understand where my allegiance lies. Yeah. See that? Given where I went to school. That's why your book's not in the Wallbash bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> they know where your allegiance lies. Um, this is probably my favorite aspect of the rivalry in the Monon Bell game. And that is the, the famous heist or at least attempts at stealing the bell. And I think you hit on some really funny and just crazy stories. So, you know, what are, what are some of the all time great attempts um, at stealing the bell? Yeah, I think the most famous one is, is known as operation Frijoles. Um, and that happened back in 1965. It was, uh, led by a Wabash student named Jim Shanks. Uh, he scheduled a meeting with the pause president at the time and convinced him that he was a Mexico City news reporter that was working on a college brochure. Um, and, and they thought that he tried to convince the Paul president that, hey, if I, if I do these things, I can help get you some students uh, from Mexico that can come to DePaul and be <laughs> part, of your, part of your campus. And uh, as part of his big brochure, he asked to take pictures of the Monon Bell um, and um, unwisely, DePaul's president showed him where it was located oh, uh, near no. DePaul's <laughs> in the equipment room. Um, and then later, after uh, Jim Shanks knew the location and the, sort of the whereabouts of how to get to the bell, he, he late returned with some of his buddies back from Wabash, and they, they came on the campus and stole it. So that was one of the many attempts, and some have been more successful than others, and some have sort of uh, caused quite the strong reactions in 1978, uh, DePaul stole it out of Wabash's gym. Um, and then according to reports at the time, 300 men from Wabash came down to DePaul to demand for it back. And oh there's a lot of goodness. yelling and shouting. And I think baseball bats were involved. Not wow. a lot of actual, not a lot of actual violence, but 10 people were arrested from Wabash. Um, and then DePaul's president at the time, hoping to sort of, uh, eliminate stuff like that ramming in the future, try to set some ground rules for future Mona Bell heist. And the, the ground rules weren't that, hey, you can't steal the bell. They sort of accepted the fact that the bell was going to get stolen back and forth. But he tried to establish that, it, that whatever school stole the bell had to return it within 48 hours. Um, and then in return, the school that lost the bell, um, they were, had it stolen from them. They wouldn't sort of show up demanding for it back. Yeah. But, Certainly that, uh, that didn't last and it's been stolen and, and, and had a uh, prolonged absences since then. Um, people have stayed overnight in like stealing tiles of the men's bathroom, um, in the, in the gymnasium to sort of stay in there and then let their friends in at, at night to do it. Um, there were, again, sort of like the, um, the, the recent games that have been crazy. There have been some, uh, Delph, uh, theft attempts, um, in 2012, uh, some DePaul students tried to steal it. Um, Wabash makes a big, out of the bell during the game of the week where uh, the week of the game, I mean, 
and uh, they'll have uh, students out on campus basically just ring it the entire time, and they have people in, in charge of just sort of watching it to make sure yeah. no one from DePaul to try and steal it. And apparently, some Wab- Wabash students sort of fell asleep like on the watch, and <laughs> DePaul students were there at the right time, but they the DePaul students, it's a bell, so it's hard to keep it quiet. Um, yeah. And uh, they, they sort of got it up and apparently um, didn't, weren't able to sort of get away and they failed. And, and in the process of failing, they broke the handle, actually. So there had to be wow. some, some repairs done on the, the really old bell to make sure it was still in good shape. And then um, infamously in 2017, Wabash tried to steal it. Um, and DePaul doesn't do the same thing in terms of like, um, ringing it all week and having like people uh, dedicated to protecting it. The ball usually just has like a trophy case where it sits on, and um, Wabash students knew where it was at, so they just went over there and threw on uh, Barack Obama and Donald Trump masks <laughs> in 2017. Uh, got, got it off the display case. Um, but little did they know, the display case has like a silent alarm that was triggered, and so oh. uh, the, the police were notified. And actually, they, they actually got the bell off the stand and were making their way out of the building with it. But uh, a DePaul police officer actually saw the getaway truck kind of sitting outside the, the building at a, at a strange time and, and prevented the heist from actually and the bell from getting off of campus. So there's been plenty of attempts and I'm sure um, there'll be more attempts down the line. Yeah. That's like some point break. Like you got to be ready to <laughs> get past the security system, mission impossible style. You know, they got laser, you know, security systems uh, on the bell. Now, um, is there a story about burying the bell? I read that in your book, something about the, the one side buried the bell in the end zone, or I can't remember what the story was. Yeah. And so it was, it was around one of the times I think Wabash had recently stolen it. Um, and allegedly DePaul was so worried about Wabash stealing it that they decided to bury the bell. Um, and so they buried the bell, I think, behind one of the end zones. Um, and what the plan was to dig it up on game day. And apparently the day of the game, the ground was sort of frozen. Um, and so it was hard to dig up, but apparently it, it ended up raining and got muddy. And so they were able to sort of just lodge it out of the ground and, and get it back. And so the, the bell wasn't lost to the earth forever. Oh my gosh. Again, I, I think these are so funny because again, it shows like the, the playful side of the, uh, the rivalry, you know, college students, Hey, let's go up to, uh, let's go up to Crawfordsville and steal the bell or hey, let's go down to Greencastle, steal the bell. And just like the hijinks behind it, it's kind of like a, you know, poor man's <laughs> bank robbery or something. And it's, it just shows the level of, of fun and, and, and rivalry in this game. Um, all right. I mean, I think we pretty much covered it all. Um, like I said, take a look if you're interested. There's way more stories in this book. I think Tyler James did an incredible job in his research and writing of this book. Um, so if you have any interest, it is available on Amazon. Again, the book is titled The Monon Bell Rivalry Classic Clashes of DePaul vs. Wabash. So again, support a local author. <laughs> Go buy the book. Um, I have my own signed copy. And again, uh, if you're interested in you know college football, Notre Dame football, Tyler is your connect there. Again, has done a great job covering Notre Dame football. And again, I can't thank you enough for joining me, man. I, I had a lot of fun. These are some great stories. 
Yeah, no problem. Since you mentioned uh, that I got you a signed copy, if someone wanted a signed copy, they could certainly reach out to me. I have an email address, mononbook at gmail.com. And if you just reached out, I, I could certainly, we could work something out and have you send some payment and I can Absolutely. get one in the mail for you. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny. When I, I made that email address when I was working on the book um, and it was brought to my attention um, by some Wabash guys that I was interviewing because I was using that email address as part of the process because I wanted to seem sort of official. And they're like, I know I, that's when they're like, I actually could tell that you're from Nepal because you guys call it Monon and, oh. and everyone, Wabash, everyone at Wabash calls it, calls it the Dell game. So wow. I, I, had no, I didn't even <laughs> notice that. Like when I was a student, like just on Nepal campus, it was like, what are you guys doing for Monon? Are you guys excited about Monon? Um, and I, but at Wabash, they refer to it as the Bell game all the, all the time. That's that, awesome. I didn't, even, I didn't even know that until I started working on the book. And so I guess even the email address that I, that gave I gave it away, give it, give it, gave away what, what my allegiance was. That's awesome. Yeah. Even just like those, like arguing about what the game's called and those things, it will never be given up by either side. So again, uh, we appreciate you tuning in and, and listening to our special episode on the Monon Bell game. Unfortunately, it can't be played this year, uh, but we look forward to many, many more years of the great rivalry. Thanks again for tuning in to Indiana Legends podcast, and we will see you next time. Ring the bell for victory in the last game every fall.